All right. Um, looks like we've got uh, a couple people in here. Um, well, good evening, guys. Uh, glad to have you. Um, tonight's uh, town hall discussion uh, is going to be about no-fly zones. And I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, so coming up, uh, the FAA is going to be um, making decisions on what should be a no-fly zone. Um, and I uh, just wanted to get uh, the community's take on what should be a no-fly zone um, and where we should be able to, where the community feels that uh, should be unacceptable to fly and uh, a couple other questions. So uh, right now, I believe in the uh, FAA reauthorization, it calls out a couple different areas. And one of them is, uh, uh, let's see, one of them is going to be uh, <clears throat> stadiums uh, when they're occupied. Uh, we've got um, utility, like infrastructure. So that's going to be like power plants. Um, water treatment facilities. Um, let's see. Uh, we've got uh, military, um, military posts. Yep, military posts. That was a big recent one. Um, we've got uh, as well as uh, the new one this this time around is going to be um, amusement parks. Um, so those are some of the the big callouts. Um, but what else? What else should be a no-fly zone? What do you guys uh, think um, that the FAA should call out and say, you are not allowed to fly around here? And it's not about keeping us you know, from flying in certain areas. It's more about protecting civil infrastructure and, and um, making sure that people are safe. So what would be your thoughts on that? I think um, uh, jails and prisons are also included in that. Yes, you are right. They are. I apologize for missing that. What else, guys? What What are some areas that you feel like... Oh, we got some comments here. Construction zones? I didn't say construction zones. And I don't believe that construction zones are called out. Um, do you feel like those should be avoided? Those should be a no-fly zone? They sure make for some good videos. They absolutely do. <laughs> I think the other thing that's included in there, too, is um, uh, any kind of an emergency response. I think there's some, some suggested, at least some suggested protection over area that has some sort of disaster or other kind of emergency response going on. Right. Uh, yeah, that that's definitely true. And a lot of times what will happen is uh, the FAA will file uh, notices to airmen and uh, uh, temporary flight restrictions over areas. So I know like with the recent fires in California, um, those were big. There was a lot of uh, TFRs, temporary flight restrictions uh, around Chico and uh, the different areas that were on fire. And 
that's more to uh, protect the firefighting efforts because a lot of those, especially those wild line or the um, those wildfires, um, they've got airplanes that and helicopters that are dumping water on those areas, and that's definitely to protect um, those those aircraft that are trying to respond to those emergencies. If I remember right, right don't they specifically call out the wildfire uh, as a no-fly area unless you're part of the response team? I believe so. I'd have to double-check that real quick. That's what I was here. Go ahead. That's what I was getting at too, and I think that I think included in that, and and I think the response time to get a um, uh, a TFR up, given something small like a, a say a major car accident. So uh, I don't know what it, I'm in the Midwest, so we've had you know like a couple of major multi you know twenty plus car pileups and that sort of thing in the area. And uh, so you've got a lot of emergency response going on there. They may be using uh, UAVs, and so they want to keep those areas uh, clear as well. You know, absolutely. Let me I'm pull up this real quick. Give me one second to get to the appropriate section here. How about um, open air concerts? So something out. Uh, non non stadia but i think that would fall under crowds of people or other yeah I, i'd agree yep. you wouldn't want to fly over that yeah mm -hmm. definitely yeah. Yeah, big gathering of people i think is just to be avoided yep yep um i would say any kind of huge gathering yeah um i mean you've got massive events like uh you know marathons and con outdoor concerts and um, even, uh, like fundraising events, like breast cancer walks. Uh, I know a big one out here is like the Pat Tillman run, um, that kind of thing. Um, I have seen lots of videos on fireworks. Um, I haven't seen anything about firework displays, but that could definitely be something, um, yeah, the fireworks are interesting because I would yeah. think, uh, for the most part, people aren't that close to them. So if you're flying through them, you're not really flying over people because they're they're not launching them over people, right? Uh, Where I am, they launch them pretty close to people. I know they. I, I know they. Um, I'm fairly near Milwaukee, and they um, they issue uh, a TFR around that area at the lakefront where they where they do their launch there. Last year, anyway. All right. So I know a lot of times um, cities will give permits um, and uh, a couple of times I've seen uh, evidence of uh, FAA granting permits for um, operations during large events like that. But a lot of time you have to prove that you're not going to be flying over the people that you're going to be, you know, kind of removed from it. Um, should there be some type of zone restriction for that? Just not over people at all? Or should those be completely off limits? What are your thoughts on that? Anybody? Personally, I like those videos, so I'd hate to see that be uh, restricted too much, as long as okay. everybody's doing it safely somehow. OK. 
Okay. And and the FAA is documenting heavily flight over people plus um, flight at night uh, without a waiver for 107 pilots. So yep. that's, we don't want to recommend restricting uh, something that's uh, a right already looking a privilege. At. Yeah, privilege that's going to be granted. Right. Let's see. I think there's a different. Uh, I, I mean, I agree. I, I don't. I, I like the I like the footage too. Um, I just I don't know um, where where the line needs to be drawn between the uh, the 107 pilots and the non 107 pilots in terms of uh, what they're going to allow, and the, you know the FAA is probably going to make that determination. You know, I, I don't know how much say in that we're going to have. <laughs> well, and that's why we're here is to kind of, you know, come up with, you know, some ideas of what what we as a as a community should stand for and what we think is right and what we think is wrong. You know, I mean, any type of restriction of flight is going to be looked at as, you know, rough and it's going to be looked at as, you know, they're trying to kick us out of the sky. But I think at the same time, with a little bit of common sense, that we can come up with some solutions that make sense to the to the entire community, um, such as, you know, not flying over any large gathering of people. And um, in terms of proving that we as a, as a community are safe and we're geared towards safety and um, definitely ready to you know, take the next step and, and maybe gain some rights that we may have lost um, by, you know, kind of making some concessions. And I'm not saying give away the world here, but I'm just kind of curious, you know, where you feel that you, uh, where you would feel that you were safe to fly um, versus where you feel that you were not safe to fly. You know, and keep in mind, you know, we fly high, like high, highly complex machines and things can go wrong and do go wrong and um, how we would be ready to kind of um, mitigate that risk, you know, so that we don't hurt people, you know? So as an example, um, the FPV FC safety guidelines kind of address some of this. Um, pull that up, that particular one. My internet seems to not be functioning at the moment. <clears throat> we certainly uh, could think about it from equipment perspectives and the uh, about the um, size or the category rather that uh, uh, the FAA is uh, putting forward of uh, category one of less than uh, uh, less than 0.55 pounds or 250 grams. Uh, that's that's one type of equipment we could say gosh you know we would like no restrictions on on this it's small enough not to cause uh, grave uh, bodily or property damage that's definitely I, one criteria yeah i guess i look at I, I look at my you know i look at my newbie drones as a pretty inert thing to fly I mean, I fly them in the house around family and pets and things like that. They got prop guards; they're very small. Um, 
you know, I have a different level of comfortability there than I would, um, you know, flying a five inch over a crowd of people and then, you know, have a, some sort of a mechanical issue or something like that and have that thing come down. Uh, I mean, it, you know, obviously it's significantly heavier, uh, you know, can do the Absolutely. math calculations, you, you, you know. Got, you got props prop spinning that are a good size and a have a good amount of momentum uh, by themselves. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, like spinning. I, I always look at them like spinning blades, mm -hmm. literally blades, you know, and, and I wouldn't stick my finger in there and I saw so I sure don't want to <laughs> uh, be responsible for flinging that at somebody at speed, you know. Um, so for me, that's where I draw the line, I don't, you know. I... It, it's funny. So uh just a couple of experiences that i've had so i have this really high powered it's probably close to a 200 mile an hour drone and it uses carbon fiber props um because the props just spin so fast that anything less than will just rip themselves apart and um what he meant to have... say was 99 <laughs> miles an hour i'm, I'm sure you i'm sure you I, didn't hey. mean 200 it's I'm absolutely it. certain I didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like uh, many people out there, I was working on it and uh, forgot to take the propellers off uh, on the workbench, and it jumped and it bit me, and uh, literally uh, scarred my hand. You know, I've got scars, like literally, like jagged marks on my fingers from where this thing bit me, um, and it was pretty bad. You know, and then uh, just this last weekend, I was flying uh, with one of my friends and I have a drone that I designed myself and uh, it's kind of pointy. So I don't know if you guys have seen the um, the Shin drone. I think it's the Shrieker that's got uh, the sharp points on the ends of the arm. And it looks almost like a throwing star. It's a little three inch. This is similar to that. And it was funny because I... I wasn't close to us, but I was kind of coming back towards us. And my friend was legitimately scared. And he flies quads. He was legitimately scared of my quad because it had pointy ends on the arms. And he, like, absolutely drew the line. He was like, don't even get it near me. And uh, <clears throat> so it was it was pretty an interesting situation that even somebody who flies FPV, who flies freestyle, um, who likes to race, was genuinely um scared of the quad I was flying and even though he knows that you know my builds are you know that nine times out of ten nothing's gonna go wrong um nothing has gone wrong but um that it actually caused him some <laughs> a little bit of physical anxiety that this quad was flying you know in in the general area so um, different situations like that. I think part of it is, yeah, the design and part of it's going to be the weight. Um, and those are good ideas to categorize some of this stuff. I mean, you got to keep in mind that while I feel like some of the, the way that the FAA has categorized the 107, um, in RPMs in terms of the categories that they might be a little off, it's still a, a brick with spinning blades on it. I mean, it legitimately is and i challenge anybody to say that it's not um and until people are comfortable with these and um we're, we're going to continue to have these types of issues yeah and i think 
um, shrouded uh, props are absolutely uh, they're in our future. I mean, it's in it's in the rule uh, proposals, and uh, that's that's going to be a fact. So, uh, I'm trying to think of their other. Um, I, I took us off the mark a bit on talking about equipment. Um, no, that's fine. And we were we were so. On, uh, the um just to kind of swing us back so this is an excerpt from the fpvfc safety guidelines and i'm going to post it here in the chat um so no fpv flight operation should take place in an area or manner that disrupts or poses a danger to any of the following emergency response efforts to include law enforcement actions fire response actions military actions unless the operator is actively engaged in the operation with proper clearance from the authorities Areas where crowds of people gather to include sporting, musical, or political events, and civil in infrastructure to include power, water, and transportation facilities. Um, I, is there more that should be added to that? Should um, we be, I mean, some of the ideas that we were coming up with kind of directly reflect in this in the safety guideline. Is there more that should be added to that? Is there, um, is it too much? I mean, um one thing that I was thinking about is specific, super um, sensitive wildlife areas. I'm not sure how to define exactly what those are, but some places really should be off limits. Well, I know there are some areas where um, I'm trying to remember what they're called. They're um, An animal preserves or sanctuaries. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Animal preserves. Um, Maybe that's definitely one that we should be adding. Um, I do know that uh, a lot of national parks are off limits um, and uh, some state parks and, and whatnot. Um, but okay, wildlife preserves. That's yeah, definitely some of a that seems idea. a little too broad, just saying all of those parks, but specific places right. for sure. Okay. I think there are some. Uh, wildlife refuges or, you know, uh, whatever you want to call that, that are actually listed and even there's even an altitude restriction for general aviation hmm. uh, on those. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I saw that in some of the Part 107 course material. Yeah, I saw it in, I, I saw it in uh, looking at, you know, looking at the maps uh, reviewing uh, for that exam. And I was I wasn't aware of it, but it's there. Well, in that uh, recent in that uh, Lance uh, webinar that we were on, Dan, didn't they say that uh, national parks uh, manned aircraft have to stay? I think it's a thousand feet or more, right? Yeah, it was something like that. And I know every time that the Minnesota one brings up the Minneapolis and St. Paul airports, you can see on the map how the Minnesota River in that area has some wildlife areas that have altitude mm -hmm. limits and no fly zones. Okay. So, um, I mean, I get that. Um, let's see. I, I, there are times where I feel like, you know, national parks is a little bit broad. Um, but at the same time, you know, they, they have to define something, right? So, I mean, it's... So I live in Arizona, for those of you who don't know, and um, being able to like go to the Grand Canyon, this amazing structure that takes up the entire landscape, and not being able to fly in that area is, is kind of frustrating. But at the same time, I do get it. Um, you know, we've got all these 
amazing landscapes all across the United States. And a lot of them are locked into national parks. And um, for those of us who, you know, like me, I fly to see a different perspective um, to get that feeling of flying over amazing things and to have all that locked away for me is frustrating. I don't know how anybody else feels about it. I would agree with you there. Uh, you know, there's places I would like to be able to fly, um, you know, especially if I was able to go visit some, you know, uh, visit someplace and uh, want to be able to fly there and not be able to, to me is somewhat, I think is pushing the boundaries. I think obviously common sense, you know, again, but that's so difficult. I think, I think sometimes laws and rules get made because, you know, um, we, the many who some thought before we fly, um, our privilege gets affected by those, the few who don't. Um, and, uh, so then a rule gets made, you know? Yeah. I mean, I have any of you ever worked at a company that has a 400 page employee manual? And if you talk <laughs> to somebody that's been there for 15 years, they can give you the person's name that caused that particular regulation. Oh my goodness. You, you know, I mean, I worked at a place like that, not for long, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean that that's, so, I, I mean, I think that's sometimes how rules get made, literally, that affect all of us. Frustrating, but it happens. Absolutely. So, here's another question for you guys. Should um, private citizens and companies be able to f apply for a no-fly zone status? And, that's a good question. Um, because I, I know a couple years back, uh, this was probably like, 2012 2013 there was a company that was going around allowing people to apply for uh it was a startup and they were allowing people to put their house on a map of no fly zones for drones and that company from all the research i've done is no longer around but it kind of begs the question um should a private citizen or a company say be able to say that uh, or apply to the FAA and say, you know, this area around my business or this area around my home, I want to designate it as a no-fly zone. I believe a lot of people and companies already believe that that's the case, that they do own that airspace and that it's not allowed if you don't ask them, which we know is not true. I think the Supreme Court has actually ruled on that a couple of times. Uh, and I, I know that I've read it, and it would take me a little bit of time to find it. Uh, and my internet here, especially at this time of night, is kind of sketchy to let me go do that at the same time. Um, but um, uh, I know that they've ruled on that where people have said, you know, um, I want the air traffic, uh, you know, diverted because the noise is bothering me. Uh, so yeah, there, no. there was one, um, and this I believe it's called it's Cosby versus the United States. Yes. Um, let me pull this up. So this was in 1946. Um, just pulling this up from Wikipedia real quick. Um, I'll give a quick read. Um, 
So Cosby was the owner of a chicken farm that was located less than a half a mile from the end of a runway of Lindley Field. <laughs> yeah, chicken farmer um, in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. During World War II, the United States military flew pl planes into the airstrip as low as 83 feet above Cosby's farm. The low-flying military aircraft interfered with Cosby's chicken farm. He lost uh, 150 chickens and had to stop farming. The government claimed a right to use the airspace, and Cosby sued the government for compensation under Fifth Amendment's takings, takings clause. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Um, under common law, a person who owns, owns the soil uh, also owns the space indefinitely upward. In defense, the U.S. Uh, referenced the 1926 Air Commerce Act, in which the U.S. government claimed to possess all airspace. Um, an appellate court ruled that the landowner's domain includes the airspace above it and ruled that Cosby was entitled to just compensation for the government having taken his property by allowing overflights through airspace above his property. The United States appealed this ruling against him, and the Supreme Court agreed to review the case regarding the contradiction between common laws of property ownership against the assertion of a federal claim to possess all airspace above the United States down to ground level. Um, and it goes on and on, but uh, it does talk about this. Uh, um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, the court needed to determine the value on. Courts do not need to compensate the farmer for use below 83 feet because the planes did not below fly below that height. So um, we've got. Uh, a couple, that's that's an old case and um that gets cited a lot when you start talking about airspace claims um i do know that uh in a uh in a other in a court case i think it was in 2012 um the us it wasn't a supreme court but it was a a a court uh did dictate that uh, the FAA has jurisdiction over any type of flying in the national airspace, whether it be a kite, an airplane, um, a model aircraft, a balloon, a rocket, any of those items. Um, but uh, it, it, it's just interesting, these different cases um, that kind of contradict but again a lot of these are old cases and since then the faa has claimed dominion over all the air uh from ground level on up and so but they do also have the power to make no fly zones so um obviously if no fly zones if a private citizen or a company is capable of dictating that their area is a no-fly zone, uh, what should be the reason behind it? What are the requirements that someone would be able to do that? I don't think that uh, private citizens have that, um, have that ability. Um, you know, obviously there are, um, there are government entities for reasons of uh, reasons of security, reasons of safety, um, that make sense to not, uh, to not, to be able to either temporarily or permanently declare an area no fly zone. Um, but for, 
for my neighbor to say, uh, you know, the airspace over my house, over, over his house, is a place that's closed to air traffic. Well, I think, um, you know, A, I'm going to have a problem with it. Um, and, you know, what what gives that person that right? And then how, you know, that's kind of a slippery slope. So now I own the airspace. So, um, you know, is, can, can, uh, can you now prevent, uh, you know, a, a law enforcement from serving a warrant on your property because you claim that the driveway, which is deemed actually public access, um, you know, uh, you can't, somebody can't come down your driveway, uh, or walk up your driveway, uh, to make a delivery or, or in the case of law enforcement. And this has been something I, I spent 20, over 25 years in EMS. And, you know, this was something that was actually came up, um, in a situation that the details with are, you know, just irrelevant here, but, you know, it was, it, it was a similar situation. Okay. We want to, um, you know, we don't want the ambulance coming down this, um, privately owned road, um, which accesses six different addresses. Oh. Yeah. I can see some of the problems with that. That's for sure. Um... <laughs> yeah, you can't, I mean, you, so, you know, you're denying other people access. Well, right. you know, this is, um, so it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You can't, so how how high can they go then? I mean, can they prevent an airliner from flying overhead too, at at twenty thousand feet? Or, uh, you know, uh, somebody who lives near an airport, can you say, "Wow, hey, you know what? I don't I don't want you to fly over my property here." Right. You know, I own this I own this twenty acres, and uh, and my business is on it, and and I don't want the airplanes to come over here. So, what is air traffic gonna? You know, are they do they have to deviate traffic around you? Right. I, 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 well, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So Sec Three has a question: How do no trespassing signs work? People randomly put those up. So, um, as a homeowner, um, I have a property line, and I have the right to basically say um, that there's no trespassing on my property. I actually own the land beneath my home. You know. Um, that is part of land ownership and, um, homeowner that's part of the, the deed you sign and, and the, uh, all the paperwork you sign when you buy a home or even when you buy a business, uh, the plot of land that your business is on, if you bought that land, then you own it. Um, so it's similar to how some cities and states are, basically declaring drones off limits um, to fly. They're actually, they can't claim that you can't fly over the area that they're claiming is off limits, but they can dictate that you cannot land and take off from that particular plot of land. Um, so that's how some states and, and, and cities and towns are, are getting past that kind of stuff. But um does that make sense on how trespassing works? There's, you can't trespass air, like with an aircraft, unless the FAA says that you can't fly there. 
how, how about a, 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 a pathologic case of, um, does, would we consider a zone to be, or uh, other conditions, like not in conjunction with the use of firearms on the ground? And so I live in uh, upstate New York, and this is uh, Hunter Haven. So I'm I'm very unusual in that my home does not resemble a munitions dump. Um, and so, uh, and when, first day of hunting around here, uh, deer hunting, is uh, the high school empties out. So I mean, it really is uh, an avid part of, or a huge part of uh, uh, pastimes around here. So I'm just waiting for people to figure out, you know. If I could see that deer from a drone, I could go after it. And is that, you know, is a condition like that something that we'd want to add into um, something that is a, a geographic statement of um, a zone? I think if you if you check your Department of Natural Resources law there for hunting, if it's similar to uh, to other states. So I'm in Wisconsin. We have, I, I can speak to exactly what we have here. Um, you, uh, I, it's the same thing here. I mean, deer hunting is like, our, you know, it, it's, it's just common. Life. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm in a rural area. So this is an area you can hunt in, but somebody can't shoot within 200 feet of my home, nor can they shoot in the direction of my home yeah so you're break, even you're, if you're breaking up but uh, yeah there's the i'm in a very rural area but it's just a similar thing where you cannot uh, uh discharge a firearm within 500 feet of a a home um up here in upstate new york right so um so if somebody you know even if somebody spotted it uh you know, an animal on my property, uh, they can't shoot it on my property. They can't pursue it. And also in Wisconsin, and I don't know about other, um, uh, about other areas, you, uh, you cannot pursue game with any kind of an aircraft, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, there's, there's usually, uh, uh there's usually laws here for that and i know there are in wisconsin yeah and i see somebody posting from minnesota and i know it is there and i know it is in illinois yeah. those are the neighboring states to me here so. and here in new york we pride ourselves on more laws than any other state so uh, <laughs> i bet money that it's uh, uh on the books in new york as well you in california right that's it, that's <laughs> it. overtaxed and overlawed so, you can't even think in California, can you? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, and uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I think in the game and wildlife laws in almost all states, if not all states, um, I, I believe uh, that's kind of the case where you can't use a drone in conjunction <laughs> with hunting. Um, so I think uh, there are even some areas where like game cameras and stuff are, are not allowed. I think a lot of it is, um, is predicated on number one, scaring the animals, but on this, on the same token, it's not good sportsmanship. And if there's one thing that I know from hunters that, that I've interacted with, a lot of them are big on just being good sportsmen. You know, if you have to walk 10 miles to go track a deer, that's what you're going to do. Um, and I think 
a lot of places that would just be frowned on by their own hunting community. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So, okay, so here's another kind of uh, caveat I'm going to throw out there in terms of uh, private companies being able to apply for no-fly zone status. So um, think about companies that, private companies that may be engaged in development of um, defense contract items, like confidential kind of stuff. Um, would 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 you feel better about them being allowed to make that a no fly zone or um, same same deal as everybody else? You know that's an interesting one. Uh, having lived in the Detroit metro area, uh, they uh, both GM and Ford had uh, tracks that they uh, that they built and tested prototypes and. Uh, they were very jumpy about uh, you know, small manned aircraft flying around or near their uh, proving grounds. So that this that's a you know so in not national security, but boy, it sure is billions of dollars on the line. Absolutely. I normally think of spying with using like the camera drones, but if you were trying to get a good shot of a a prototype car you might be trying to use an fpv drone to get in there really quick and fast and chase them around so maybe (laughs) that's relevant to fpv yeah yeah i mean we we have a nissan track that's uh not too far from where i live um that uh, you know i thought you know i've had thoughts about going out there but at the same time I'm like yeah i don't think they're gonna take too kindly to that and <laughs> um not that i'm gonna be stealing their ideas because god knows i don't want to get into car engineering but you know it's just interesting how you know the companies they do develop confidential you know develop technologies and and you know, products that they want to maintain confidentiality on. But at what point do you draw the line? Is it when it's in the best interest of national security in terms of defense contractors? Is it, um, you know, I mean, there are a lot of corporations and companies that are in regular building in your town that, um, you know, I think I think the AMA might take a a line that's uh, that would say they're completely comfortable with flying over any private uh, facility as long as the purpose is safe recreational flight. But as soon as we cross into well, if it has anything to do with uh, corporate espionage, surveillance, peeping tom type of problems, that's not recreation, and uh, and they would frown on it. So maybe that's a line to take, is that we would say for recreation purposes, you know, and we could even stipulate that that would exclude uh, surveillance uh, or taking um, uh, photos or videos for commercial purposes. So you basically boil it down to the intent of the flight. Yeah, I like that. Just, yeah, what you said, Dave. <laughs> Good luck yeah. proving intent. Yes, yes. I like that. I, d- I definitely like that. That's a that's a good way to think about it. All right. Let's see here. 
And with the intent thing, in some ways, that's how the Part 107 stuff works. You know, if your intent is to further a business, then you need to have a Part 107. And if your intent is to fly as a hobbyist, that's different. Absolutely. Um, right. All right. Um, let's see. So I'm noticing just through talking through this, Dave, that we've got a couple of holes in our in our uh, safety guideline here that we probably need to tackle. Yeah, yeah, good discussion. Um, so uh, I think that's about all I have, honestly, this this week. Uh, Dave, do you have anything you want to cover? Uh, well, I'll just uh, briefly mention this is a, a small enough group, and uh, we sincerely appreciate the uh, participation. In order for us to be a community-based organization, uh, we have to be incorporated, and we have to have the IRS approval to be a 501c3 or nonprofit organization. And uh, we, as of yesterday, we just got both of those, so we're official. And uh, so we'll be making a, a more formal announcement uh, about that. But uh, as I say, I sincerely, we all sincerely appreciate the participation on these calls, and I wanted to make that uh, uh, visible. And that also means that the FPVFC can take donations and you can use those on your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it was, so those I was, are good things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and we, we try, we try hard not to fill this time with, uh, the minutiae behind the running, uh, FPVFC. So, uh, you know, feel free to shut me up anytime if I go off on the, uh, on the details of uh, how, how we're running uh, the business. We want to be transparent, but we also don't want to bore folks to tears on that stuff. <laughs> True story. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, guys, that uh, not everybody gets to see. But um, I, D Dave and I were talking the other day when we finally got our approval, and the analogy I made was, feels like the parking brake's been taken off. And so I know I'm excited. I know he's excited. Uh, everybody involved is really excited that we finally got our approval. Um, so over the next uh, couple of weeks, there's going to be a lot of, uh, hopefully, a lot of action happening, uh, website launching. Um, there's going to be uh, just a lot of things. So I hope you guys uh, kind of appreciate some of the work we put in and as we kind of take it into a much more public realm um that uh you guys uh like what you see and uh feel like you want to support us so um so and, and speak up we are we're absolutely. doing this for the community so this this really i mean it's absolutely critical that we continue to listen so um one thing i want to ask you guys is um one thing that we really need is a little more participation in these town hall meetings. Um, in some cases, it's good that they're small because people get to uh, talk as much as they like and give all the opinions they like. But at the same time, we want to reach more people. So um, I humbly request that you talk to your friends that fly FPV um, and get them uh, to join us on our meetings. We uh, are holding them every Wednesday uh, at 9 p.m. Uh, uh, Eastern time. Um, and obviously, the more people, the more opinions, the more of a swath of the community that we can account for. Um, and by doing so, I think it really helps us 
see what the community's thoughts are, see what, uh, you know, and not to sound too grandiose, but what the nation, the United States uh, pilots think and what's on their mind. And um, it helps us kind of be coherent with the community. So do me a favor, tell a friend, have them tell a friend, um, have them join in. Uh, if there's a time that better works for people, I'd like to know that. Um, I'm open uh, to suggestions on that. I think we all are. And um, if this works, fantastic. Uh, this time works well for me. It works well for pretty much everybody. But, you know, if there's a better time, I want to know about it. And uh, please, please, please bring your friends, have them join in. Um, there is not a suggestion. There's not an opinion that will get ignored. Um, it's it's my personal belief, and it's the belief of the FPVFC. And um, the community is really important to us. That's uh, good. It's good to hear. I've been following this since the beginning. Um, this time is uh, historically been kind of challenging for me to get in and participate. Uh, this week worked out really well, uh, and I was able to do that. And hopefully, I'll be able to make some uh, take care of a family situation that just kind of precludes me sometimes from this particular time but um I'll, that's that's my problem on my end um i was wondering if um uh if we could go back if if people wouldn't mind if we went back i just have some comments about the the knowledge test things that were discussed last week and i apologize for not participating then I, again it's you know, it's it. Sometimes family has to come first, and it's just one of those things. Yeah, feel free. Um, Comments are welcome, bud. Okay. Um, so, just real quickly about me, um, I've been, um, uh, as I said earlier, I'm a, uh, I've been a paramedic for a long time. I was also a paramedic educator. Um, I've taught um, amateur radio classes. I've taught. Um, you know, EMS, um, CPR, and about 27 other different types of emergency medicine certifications. I've also been a licensing examiner, both for the um, for amateur radio and for EMS and the American Heart Association and, you know, a bunch of other things. So I, I've had a lot of exposure to uh, writing tests, question pools, um, and uh, when I listened to the discussion last week, um, as some of the things were brought up, it it kind of concerned me. Um, I, I think everyone's. I think um, I don't want anybody to take it wrong. I think everybody's heart's in the right place, but from a testing aspect, um, to cover the areas that the list encompassed that exam would be bigger than the part 107 exam just with okay. with what you had there um, i see where you're coming from so i think i i guess to me i i think in in looking and listening to everything that i can uh from the faa i think their biggest concern in the uh, in the non-commercial zone, in the hobbyist zone, 
is safety. And I think that's really where we need to focus rules and safety. And I think we have to leave the teaching aspect, the how to wire your drone, um, how to troubleshoot, uh, and, and that sort of thing. We have to leave that to the, uh, to the educators um, who, uh, who can address that. And the community has some great people. I mean, I learned totally how to do this, um, you know, off of YouTube videos, you know, and did I make some mistakes? Yep. But I got all my fingers yet. And, um, uh, I think, I, I guess I just wanted to, I wanted to put that out there. I think that, um, I think again, everybody's, everybody had great ideas about stuff that we'd like people to know. But I don't know that we can include all of that in a test that people are going to want to take. Okay, fair enough. I... So that's great. That's great yeah, feedback. The, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, when you said safety, I was expecting you to say safety and security, but you left security out. Security from. Se uh, security of the national airspace and so the faa oh. maintains that they have uh, you know a dual mandate one safety and two security and yeah, and so we I... and we see a lot of um, homeland security uh flavors being pushed on the uh, uh faa for uh, improved security in the regulations yeah i think uh i mean i i, I just looked at some i, I looked at the faa's site and i and, and i think you can pull their big concerns off of there. So, um, I like uh, I like the single so focus of safety. I think that's that's a great comment. Absolutely, yeah, and I, sure I to think keep, to keep things you know keep it simple. Simple, you know, keep it keep it focused. Yeah, uh, and I and and, uh, and you know, and if I'd have been smart here and been uh, been a prepared teacher, uh, I would have had my list in my hand, which includes the airspace restrictions. Um, you know, uh, controlled airspace knowledge is something that they're obviously concerned about mm -hmm. um, using. They talk a lot about using before you fly uh, or one of the other apps. I know there's other out there that's there. So I think that shows up in their literature more. Uh, no drone zone is another thing that they talk about. And I'll be honest, I haven't looked at that one because I've got a couple of those apps on my phone and I just use those. Um, but uh, I think. I think if we focus on addressing their concerns, it's the exam is going to make them happy. Um, and it's still going to be something that's very manageable to administer mm -hmm. and very uh, sellable uh, to, to people to the, in the hobby. To the community, yeah, where it's not a uh, 600 yeah. question yeah. Uh, tome. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Awesome. I. That's Thank you excellent for feedback. It up. Yeah, yeah, excellent feedback. I do appreciate that. So the other thing I just I'll throw out there and then, you know, I'll shut up because I've been talking, but um, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I can tend to talk too much. So never say um, be afraid to say Dean be quiet. Um, <laughs> oh, that's my, my name doesn't even show up on this thing. Sorry. Uh, anyway, um, uh, so uh, I lost my train. It'll come back. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. I'm getting old. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you're you're in good company. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so is it when a, that thought just goes. So is it, a, is it a general license, or do you have an extra? My amateur? Yeah. Um, I actually have an advanced when oh, I had that. Excellent. So it's old. My, I mean, I was. You are I'm old. Thirty. <laughs> I am old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my my grandfather taught me to. Uh, I mean, he built all his own stuff, so that's kind of how I grew up, sitting next to him and and Heathkit stuff, yep. you know. And I have those memories, and that was a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. I've been licensed awesome. for over thirty years myself. <laughs> Excellent. That's okay. Our our kids will be think, thinking the same thing. Oh, my daddy used to to yeah. solder up them drones and exactly. <laughs> and they were made of carbon oh. fiber, no titanium. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, yeah. they're all dealing with anti gravity engines and oh god, can you imagine? Yeah. I don't even want to well, think about it. Here's it here's the deal. It didn't, and it's... it didn't come back. We're we're trying to give you that uh, you know that that pause so that uh, the thought would come back. Yeah, sometimes when it goes, I'll, I'll be honest, it just goes. It goes, well, okay. Here, here's the deal. Uh, your name's Dean, right? Yeah. All right, here's the deal, Dean. My name's Josh. Um, uh, if it does come back to you, feel free to message me or Dave or both of us or, or Dan okay. or any of us. Yep. Um, and, and let us know because the feedback, the feedback box is never closed. In fact, um, in the chat, in the Discord channel, I did uh, probably last week or the week before. I created a channel called the Suggestion Box, um, and that is there for anybody who has a suggestion, a thought, an idea um, to drop stuff in there, and um, to and nothing will will get unread. Uh, everything will be read by one of us, and uh, will be addressed in one way or another, and. Um, I want free suggestions from all. Uh, and keep in mind, this is a community-based or- organization. It doesn't exist without the community. And in, in that token, um, feedback is free. Um, uh, it's free-flowing, um, and everything will be responded to. So please, please, please feel free to drop it in there or hit us up personally. Um, there's usually always somebody on um that can answer your question or talk to you about your suggestion or your thoughts or anything like that so that does exist for a reason and i want it to be used so that's there um we are a resource as well um and uh we would be glad to have that feedback we're always happy for feedback you have no idea that's why we do these town hall meetings is for feedback what we're doing where we're going um what's coming you know so um it's definitely a big part of this for me that's great so it um it came back um Woo-hoo! which is surprising that was really pretty quick for me uh, so so the thing i wanted to add is um uh i'm not just the guy who's gonna come up with a you know come up with something uh and then not offer to help fix it, so uh, or help work on it. Um, so I, you know, I have had some experience writing a few exams that students have either liked or hated, depending on how well they did with them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how you can go from the like the like professor to the hated guy. Uh, and uh, uh, so, um, 
I, I've got great stories about that um, for another day. But I, I would I, I would offer to help um, you know write question pools and um, all, it, you know like all EMS exams those are uh, those are question pools that are created from multiple contributors you know and then edited as kind of as a pool and then added and you know um, uh, and that sort of thing. So you know I think more people we can get involved in that. I think we come up with a an exam and, and test questions are really difficult to write. Um, yes, and yes, uh, good questions. Yes. Anyway, anybody can write crappy ones, but uh, good ones are hard to write. And, and so uh, writing them, putting them out there, letting other people do them, uh, you know, uh, look at them and, and give feedback is, uh, is a good way. And I still do, uh, still do that uh, today. I, uh, edit, uh, Awesome. Um, Thank you for the offer. textbooks and, and exams. So. so here's the deal, Dean. Um, I will uh, shoot you a uh, direct message uh, here after the call. And mm -hmm. uh, you and I can kind of work on that. And I think that would be awesome. And uh, then we can kind of bring that back to the community and say, what do you think? You know? Um, yeah. So I'll shoot you a, a DM after the call here. And... Uh, we can kind of take it a step at a time and we'll start tackling that. Cool. Excellent. Thank you for the offer of help. We yep. very appreciate it. All right. Uh, anybody else have anything before we wrap it up? We have just hit, uh, okay, so 7 o'clock my time, 10 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time. <laughs> Nine nine o'clock here. <laughs> you can tell by the alarm. Right? <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, if anybody has anything, uh, now's the time. If we're good, uh, next week's topic uh, for the town hall meeting, we're going to go over our safety guidelines, the FPVFC safety guidelines, um, as well as uh, the ability to help first responders, and uh, that's going to be a pretty uh, bulky topic i imagine so uh, those are going to be kind of our our topics for next week and hopefully all you guys can jump in join us uh contribute and give excellent feedback very good sounds great great great, great discussion all right thank, thank you all thanks everyone have a good night guys take care bye